You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, The Songs of Jesus, Singing the Story of Christ. In this series, we see how Christmas carols and Advent songs are rooted in the rich promises of God, speaking to the deepest longings of the soul and equipping us to bring all we are to God, particularly as we gather together. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. (laughs) Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, thanks for being here. I don't know if you ate so much turkey that you're still kind of dragging from it. If you are, at least you made it here this morning. So I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and and our crazy families weren't so crazy. If they were, hopefully today is is restful and peaceful for you. But as you sang that last song, um, which the band did phenomenal with, I want to ask you a question. How did it make you feel? that slow pace of the song, the deep sounds of that song. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is it's not a song um, that is, uh, has a very uplifting or a peppy tone. It, uh, rather, it's a very dramatic and very intense tone. The lyrics of the song... At, at their core, they're declaring that things are not fair and things are not just. They're, they're singing to us that things are broken in the world around us and inside of us. You see, the lyrics to that song are, are beckoning God to come and be with us and make things right. You see, that song it contains a refrain of longing. 
I want to ask you a question. It seems it's going to seem like an odd transition, but it's going somewhere, I promise. Have you ever wondered why we watch movies to the very end? Why we'll sit down and finish a movie? Now, there are, there are some of you that fall asleep halfway through every movie, no matter what it is. And then there are those movies that are just so bad that you're, you're just done and you, you turn it off. But there are just those movies that you just can't stop watching. Maybe it's a comedy that's so funny you can't turn it off because you just don't want to miss any of the laughs. Maybe it's a sports movie where you, you got to keep watching because you want to see the final game. You want to see them win. But there are those movies that are just special. They play with our emotions and they grip us to the point where we have to know what happens next. This feeling, it usually happens right around the scenes where conflict is introduced. There's some sort of conflict or tension or somebody says something they shouldn't say or there's a tragedy. Something happens inside of us in that moment And whatever emotion it brings about in you, whether it's sadness, anger, or fear, we we sit on the edge of our seats and we say to ourselves, that's not right. Something has to change here. This has to be resolved. So we, we sit on the edge of our seats. We refuse to blink. We go elbow deep in our tub of popcorn because we want closure. We watch in eager expectation and hope that evil will not prevail, but the superhero will save the day. That the next battle, it will be won by the good guys and the war will be over. That from that tragedy, hope and happiness will be found before the credits of that movie begin to run. We watch in eager expectation that the oppressed in that movie, that they will experience freedom, but the oppressor will experience justice. And the list goes on. You see that feeling, those emotions that are evoked, that thing that keeps you glued to the point where you can't turn it off, that's longing. And it's powerful. You see, the the power to long is to have the yearning desire that what is broken must be mended, that what is wrong must be made right, that what is evil must come to an end, that what is hurt must be healed, and that what is sad must be turned to joy. We watch the movie till the end because we say to ourselves, this must be resolved. And as almost all movies do, we know it will end with peace, with justice prevailing and with healing. And so think about it. You sit there and you watch that movie through, through 
all of the subsequent darkness and confusion and all of the blood and the gore or the unpleasant feelings because you know this will end with that relationship being restored. This will end with the right guys winning the war. This will end with the triumph of good. But the reality is there's not a person in this room who has to watch a movie to feel this way and to experience longing. Because for every single one of us, there is something or many things that grip our souls, that capture our emotions, to where we say to ourselves, this isn't right. This isn't the way that things are supposed to be. When will this be over? Why does it hurt so bad? Will justice ever prevail? We've all experienced this whether it's cultural or societal, whether it's a relationship with someone else or whether it's just a personal issue, no one escapes feeling this way. To truly long, to have longing is to admit not just that the world around us is full of loss and limitations, but that we ourselves are full of loss and limitations. We have to accept that longing is just a part of being human. In the passage that was just read, and really in the song that was saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the Israelites, God's people, have been enduring all kinds of losses and limitations for centuries upon centuries. They've done terrible things themselves. They've been filled with unbelief. They've worshipped foreign gods, but they've also been in foreign captivity after foreign captivity. They've seen tragedy upon tragedy, failed leader after failed leader, and they have been crushed by oppression. And underneath it all, in that passage, but I would argue that, that the entire Old Testament, that the refrain, the melody of the entire Old Testament is one of longing. There is a, a yearning desire since we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden for someone to come and make things right again for that prophet who is greater than Moses, for that king who will forever sit on David's throne, to come, to arrive, and to be anointed. And here in this passage, we see that turmoil and we see the misery, but we also see promise. And we also see hope that things won't always be the way they are, that rescue is on its way. And in verse 6, we have that famous passage that we read so often at Christmas time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child will be born, a son will be given. Notice the word given here. That within this verse, that amidst all the brokenness and injustice going on around, the promise to us is not a wage. The Lord does not say, I have, I have heard your longings and I am going to give you a wage. Because we have to remember that there is brokenness around us, but we ourselves are a part of that brokenness. We also contribute to the brokenness. And we are reminded in Romans 6.23 that the wages of our sin is death. 
And so as we, as we think about our longings and we think about things being made right, the Lord in his magnificent plan, he provided a gift to us. And his, in God's plans, our longings were not met with what we deserve or what we have earned. Our longings were met with grace. And so here's where we're going. The greatest depths of our longings have been met with the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. And as a result of this reality, we have been given two things. We have been given the permission to groan and the promise of justice. The gift of Jesus coming to be with us first It gives us a permission to groan. As as Christian read through this passage in Isaiah, it, it uses a whole lot of terminology to describe a world in which things aren't the way they're supposed to, to be. Look at some of these words, and, and your translations might use different terms, but they mean the same thing. Distress, darkness, the shadow of death, the yoke that burdens, the bar across our shoulders, the rod of the oppressor, The song that we just sang sings about captivity and gloomy skies and misery. And the thing is, these are not just words that we find in Isaiah chapter 9, but these are words that we find in our own stories, in our own lives. These are words of longing that latch themselves to the deepest recesses of who we are. Whether you want to admit it or not, they exist in you. And yet, so many of us find ourselves never bringing these things before the Lord. We never go before the Lord who gives us a permission to groan and tell him how we really feel. We never go before him and we tell him what we're really longing for. This permission in and through Jesus Christ has been given to each and every one of us, and yet we just don't do it. But why is that? Well, I've came up, come up with four things, and I think there's more, but maybe for some of you, you might say something like this. I just don't have time. We're just busy people. Maybe you're just busy or maybe you've just continued to fill your life to keep yourself busy. But you say things like, there's just not space in my life to think about this right now, let alone to deal with it before the Lord. So you fill yourselves, you fill your life with, with busy work. Our kids keep us busy. We serve a lot. We have chores and projects. Or we just refuse to turn off the noise in life because we're scared of silence. We're scared of being still. Or maybe you're the type of person who hears me say, you have permission to groan, and you say, I have no need for that. The idea of groaning before the Lord is weakness in your mind. 
And so even though the longings truly exist, you'll walk through life with your shoulders squared up as though those things don't really exist. And you say things like, I'm all good. I've got this under control. Relax. Or maybe, and this one is just so sad to me, maybe, maybe your reason is because you just feel like God doesn't want to hear it or have time for it. Maybe you grew up in a, in a way in which your voice just didn't matter or nobody had time for you. And so even though you have these deep longings and groans in your life, you just feel like the Lord doesn't want to hear it or he's got more important things to tend to. But then there are those of you in this room, and I want to be sensitive to this, that when I talk about bringing your longings before the Lord, your reason is because it just hurts too much. I don't want to minimize the pain and disappointment that some of you have felt over and over again in your life. For you, you don't bring your groans before the Lord because it's just too painful to do so. And you feel like it's just another setup for failure and disappointment. And so you suppress it. And that if, if this is you, I would argue that most of you probably numb the pain somehow. Each of these reasons, each of these thoughts are detrimental to your souls because your souls were not made to handle the weight of your longings. All of us have something or many things in our lives where we just want to scream, things are not supposed to be this way. This hurts. Things can't keep going on the way they are. Now hear the words again. Jesus is a gift to your longings and he has given you permission to groan before him. Look at how Jesus is described in verse six. He is a wonderful counselor. What counselor doesn't want to hear the pain of the person sitting in front of him? What counselor doesn't want to know what you want changed in your life? He's wonderful counselor. He's the everlasting father. What kind of father doesn't want to hear the longings of their child? What kind of father doesn't want to address the cries of their little one? He's the prince of peace. If you're the prince of peace, why, why would you not want to bring light to darkness and life to death and joy to sadness? It's like Burger King not making burgers or Taco Bell not making tacos. It's what you do, man. You're the prince of peace. Why would he not want to bring peace into your life? Think about it this way. What does it mean when your baby's crying? Yeah, they might have a dirty diaper. They, their tummy might hurt. But for little babies, most often the reason that they're crying is because they're hungry. And the only way that a tiny baby knows how they express their own limitations, that they're hungry and they long for it. This is God's desire for you. It's that simple to express your longing to him. The only way you might know how 
to allow the father to step in, to allow the counselor to listen and give wisdom, and to allow the prince to bring peace. Is your life so full of stuff that you have no room for Jesus to work? How long will you starve your soul for that thing that you know needs to change before you bring it before Jesus? Some of the most powerful experiences that we can have is when we allow our emotions to be stirred because we have taken the time and the opportunity to look around us and to look into our own lives and say to the Lord, I want this changed. And that's exactly where Jesus wants to meet you. So what do you want to see changed? What are the losses and limitations that you are experiencing that you need to bring before the Lord? Are there things that you see out in the world that stir passion in you, that stir up a hunger that you want to see changed? Well, the gift of Jesus invites you to groan before him. You can call out to him in your barrenness. You can call out to the Lord from your broken marriage, from your loneliness, from your sickness, from your hurt, from the abuse that you've experienced. You can cry out to the Lord to end poverty, to end abortion, to end racism, or whatever injustices you might see. Because the counselor is listening The everlasting Father is waiting, and the Prince of Peace is ready for the groans, the longings, the pain, and the cries. You have permission to groan before the King of Kings. But the gift of Jesus doesn't just give us permission to groan, but it also brings with it a guarantee, a promise of justice. You see, it should be comforting and empowering to hear that you have permission to groan, but it would just be strange to stop there. Especially when we're talking about the gift of Jesus. This passage is not just filled with words of pain and injustice, but there's also in this text, there's words of hope, of true change, of victory and finality. The gift of Jesus is more than a counselor and the Prince of Peace, but he's also called Mighty God. And it states that the government will be on his shoulders. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. And then I love how verse 7 ends. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus is not only the wonderful counselor who listens to your groans, but he is the king fixated on making everything right. This is why we can sing the chorus to the song that we just sang, where it cries out, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. It's the guarantee that in the midst of all of our losses and our most crippling limitations, that Jesus is with us and Jesus will bring justice. And by justice, I mean Jesus will make things right. Jesus' kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our longings 
and our groans that are right here, they're right now, they're real time. And so as we consider this, this guarantee, this promise of justice, I think there's two things that are healthy for us to do. One, I think we need to look behind us. And the second is we need to look ahead of us. We look behind us and we say, thank you, Jesus. And we look ahead of us and we say, come, Lord Jesus. Look behind you. Remember how the Lord's grace and might and peace and counsel have changed your life. Look at how the Lord has brought you here today. Look at how he's answered your prayers. For you parents, remember when you prayed for a child and the Lord has granted you that. For you married couples, remember when you expressed your longing for companionship and a spouse and the Lord provided that. Remember when you have prayed for healing and the Lord healed. Remember when you prayed for the Lord to save your soul and to cleanse you from your sin. And now the Lord looks upon you and says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When was the last time we just looked at him and said, thank you, Jesus, because your justice has been done. So we can look behind us and we can say thank you. But we can also look ahead of us. Looking ahead means that we're looking ahead to the unflinching promise that the Lord absolutely will make everything new. And this is a hard, this is such a hard truth, but the reality is, is that we might not see some of our longings fulfilled in this life. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. But in the same way that we, we watch movies and that we, we just sit in that movie through all of the turmoil and through all of the, the unpleasant feelings, we sit through this life through all the heartache and the discomfort because we know it must be resolved. And so we hold fast in this life, looking ahead with our eyes fixed on Jesus, filled with hope and encouragement. In one hand, and this is such a wonderful thing about the good news of Jesus is that in one hand, we can have pain and confusion and discomfort, but in the other hand, we can have hope and peace. And we have the ultimate guarantee that brokenness will not have the final word. You know, sometimes the movie just ends and it doesn't bring the resolution you want. And the credits begin to run. And it leaves you a little frustrated. Sometimes in life, things just end and we don't get what we long for. But if you can imagine the credits begin to run on your story. I read a book to my kids called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I'm going to read to you the, the last page. And so you can imagine as the credits begin to run on your story and our story, I just want to read to you about looking ahead and the promise of justice. And the king says, look, God and his children are together again. 
No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I am making everything new. We have a promise of justice. That we can look behind us at the way the Lord has delivered and say, thank you, Jesus. But we can look ahead and we can say, come, Lord Jesus. Bring it to an end. Make things right. The promise is this guarantee. It is, it is why we say prayers of lament. It is why we gather together every Sunday. It is why we can sing songs that are filled with both sorrow and joy. It's because we have permission to groan that, that, the, that things aren't the way they're supposed to be, but also living in hope that Jesus is making things right and he will ultimately come again and make everything new. Jesus, the one who, would, who will prevail and make everything new, he sat around a table with his friends. And he gave us a wonderful picture of longing. Sitting next to the man who was moments away from running out the door and betraying him, Jesus took the most basic elements to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. And in the same breath, Jesus speaks of brokenness and sadness, but also of hope and victory. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup of wine and he said, this this is my blood shed for you. Eat of this and drink of this. And every time you're, you do, you're announcing the Lord's death until he returns to make everything right. This is a reminder that, that Jesus is no stranger to limitations and losses. A limitless God took on limitations and he experienced unimaginable loss. And each week, we come to the table of communion and we hear Jesus' words. And as you, the way we do it here is you'll take a piece of bread and you'll dip it into the juice or wine. The wine will have a piece of twine around it. There will be stations here. And in the back, gluten-free will be to my left, your right. So here's what I want you to do. When you tear off that piece of bread and you dip it into the wine, I want you to hear Jesus' words to you. I know your brokenness. I know your pain. Take heart, child. My broken body and my shed blood are signs that it won't always be this way. And you take communion. What is broken will be mended. What is hurt will be healed. The evil will come to an end. And sadness will be turned to joy.
The greatest depths of our longings have been met with the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you a couple practical things. This is, might be hard for some of you. Don't go pick up your kids during communion. Sit in it and fully participate. Sing the songs. Pray to the Lord. Receive the Lord's blessings. And while you participate, take a posture of pleading and longing. Maybe open your hands. Close your eyes. Maybe reach toward the sky like a little kid reaching for his father. You see, this gathering, it's a rehearsal for rehearsal for all of life. So be who you are right now. Fully engage. Because child of God, you have permission to groan and you have been given a promise of justice. If you are not a Christian, please don't come forward. This is a sacred meal for those who have put their trust in Jesus. So I'll ask you this question. Have you ever wondered why nothing seems to quench your hunger and thirst? Or if it does, it doesn't seem to satisfy that long. It's because the only one who was made to satisfy your soul is Jesus himself. Do you want to bring your longings before Jesus? Maybe for the first time, do you want to experience the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God and the Prince of Peace. You can do that today. And come talk to someone and put your trust in Jesus. And we can prepare you for communion next week. You've been given permission to groan and you have a promise of justice. No matter your pain and heartache, Jesus will come and make things right. That is not my words. That's his the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.